This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Welcome to another episode of the HR in Review show. I'm your guest host today, Bill Bannum, and joining me on this episode is Richard Lucas, CEO and co-founder over at GoBox, an online mental health well-being platform. With 30 years of senior leadership experience, Richard has a unique take on mental health and well-being. A personal story led him and a like-minded team to create GoVox. Having witnessed firsthand how technology and social media have fueled mental health issues, Richard is now committed to using technology positively to enable change and readdress the balance with a much more supportive approach. Richard will also be a speaker at the upcoming Disrupt HR Cambridge event happening May 11th. Hey Richard, welcome to the show today. Hi Bill, thanks for having us on. HR in Review is a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice and all the latest developments in human resource management. You can subscribe at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast or find us on your podcast app. So, Richard, beyond my reintroduction there, why don't you take a minute or two and introduce yourself a bit more to the audience and tell them a bit about why you created GovOx. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you very much for the opportunity. So um, I'm Richard Lucas. I'm the uh, one of the co-founders of uh, GovOx Wellbeing. Um, quite interestingly, and I think for this audience, I've had no previous experience in HR and no previous experience in wellbeing. Um, but as was mentioned in your introduction, um, we were kind of founded through a kind of personal moment, um, a point in our lives where something happened that impacted us. And and for us, that was to do with my passion outside of work. So outside of work, rugby is my sport of choice. I've played it for the majority of my life. Too old and too broken to play it these days. Um, but I'll keep the story short. Back in 2018, when I believe we were in what I call the statistical stage of mental health and well-being as in we were all as leaders and managers and, and and kind of support people aware of there was a challenge coming but we didn't quite really understand it but lots of percentages of that and numbers of this but it's only when we got faced with it ourselves and, and sadly in our local rugby community we lost two young two young guys to suicide and it made us stop and think about our role in that as leaders as people that were there to support um, and then that that small, well, pretty significant event uh, led us to ask a lot of questions, led us to kind of reach out and start start talking to people about kind of what could be done, dif- what could be done differently. Um, and that was the start of GoVox. Um, the gap that we identified, it's really quite simple. Even back in 2018, so pre-pandemic, I know that would be a dateline in history. So pre-pandemic, there was a lot of support available for people. Um, organizations were starting to think quite seriously. We started to hear about things like mental health first aiders and well-being apps and all of these wonderful things. But people weren't accessing the support either quick enough, soon enough, or in some sad cases at all. Um, and that was the reason why we kind of created GoVox. This edition of HR in Review is a special guest episode brought to you in partnership with our friends at the North American-based HR Chat podcast a podcast focused on interviews with HR, talent and tech experts. 
Okay, uh, you, you started GoBox to connect, identify, and support those in need, Richard. And your team works with businesses plus uh, sports uh, teams and schools as well, I believe, to to improve mental health on the business side. We are we are a corporate focused pod, of course. On the business side, how can business leaders and HR pros get better at identifying employees who need support? In, in the main, profession, HR professionals are really good at it. Um, and, and actually, they've always been traditionally good at it. They are the people champions within, within organisations. Um, and part of, the, part of the, the learning curve we've had over the last sort of five or six years since our founding moment is the pivotal role that HR play within the well-being and within the mental health and the support um, structure for employees within organisations. Because they are the people champions and they know the that they understand the culture better, they understand the, the, the mission and the vision for an organisation and how people want to kind of be uh, be, be, with, be held within, within an organisation and supported to do a great job. So going back to our founding moment, lots of support available. Um, the big challenge is to, to get people to know that A, the support is there and what is it and how they can access it. But really importantly is to help people have the confidence and the comfort to understand when they need help, because that's the big challenge. Um, if you wait until somebody is absent from work, or if you wait until somebody decides to leave your organisation because they don't like it or they're not very happy, um, or within the within our founding moment, if we go in, into the kind of the darker end of things around kind of suicide and attempted suicide, those events are are too late, and it's it's really important to try and capture these things earlier because you can make a bigger difference when you understand that people aren't happy within their working environment. Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. Richard, from what you see and what your team sees on a regular basis maybe you can share some of those key reasons that prevent employees from seeking support great question bill um i think for us it's the word culture sits right across um the ability for people to feel comfortable um to seek support in any organization um we've had the real pleasure in the last five years to expand to support companies globally and you see different cultures even at um almost caricature level uh, kind of within I don't know within the US or within New Zealand and Australia or South Africa or China um, people behave very differently but even if you bring it back to UK businesses and organizations at one end of the scale we know there are some toxic organizations out there and I'm quite lucky actually I don't get to talk to them because they're not really talking they're not really thinking that proactively about supporting their people but when people have worked in toxic organizations they're concerned to let people know that they're struggling because they feel that they might get overlooked for the next promotion. Or if there's a restructure, they're not quite going to make the cut because somebody knows that they've got a, a mental health issue or a well-being issue. So it's a barrier of culture within some organisations. Um, and on the flip side, more and more, we start to talk to organisations and work with organisations that have completely broken the ceiling in that cultural barrier. Um, and having an open um, organisation where people know that if they've, had, if they've not had a great week, just let somebody know, speak up, because we are here to support. Um, and I think within, within society and within everything we do, um, although we were founded with quite a, um, a difficult story around 
suicide and mental health, we actually don't talk about that very often. We talk about happiness, engagement, fulfillment, connectivity, and all the things that make people kind of come together and be more supportive. So there's a bit of work to do in organizations to get the culture right. And we, and we love working with organizations to help shape that. And there's a bit of work to do wide, widely that we're not scared of the subject. We're not scared to talk to somebody who's just had a tough week, or we're not scared to talk to somebody who's got some uh, well-being, mental health challenges that need support. In the same way, we wouldn't be scared to talk to one of our colleagues who's got a broken leg or has had to go into hospital for an operation. That's just the norm, right? We look after them. We make, we make sure that we support them back to work um, and give them all the support they need to be to be back and, and and fully functioning. So the question would be, why would it be any different for mental health? If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. As we all know, uh, the pandemic brought huge pressures on on all of us. Uh, and that manifested itself in um, a huge increase in mental health related issues in and outside of the the workplace of course um, th- there are positives out of the pandemic too uh, I'd like to think such as um, I believe that people are talking in a more authentic way than, than before the pandemic uh, what, what have you seen change in the world of workplace well-being over the past few years it's, it's been fascinating to to observe but also be part of so I think at the very start of the pandemic there was a bit of a bit of a bubble of kind of um, organizations going out and grabbing what they thought was the right thing to do and that was a whole range of things we saw an explosion of well-being apps we saw an explosion of well-being training or mental health training etc and all those sorts of things and they weren't the wrong things to do I mean I'm I'm old enough to remember when a well-being day at work was that everybody got a bottle of water and an apple and we ticked the box and we moved on. The fact that organisations were bringing in tools to support people was was quite brilliant. Um, But very quickly, um, it was quite evident that organisations needed programmes and they needed kind of real infrastructure underneath to make sure that those tools were understood, accessed, accessible, um, and actually utilised, because a lot, a lot of the utilisation and the usage rates of, of those types of support mechanisms that were brought in, let's say, early pandemic, um, are really quite low, and, and organisations wouldn't get a great return on investment from um, from that type of, of, of activity. So we, we were reasonably lucky, almost by accident, within the Govox um, methodology, that we didn't go down either of those routes. We kind of went for a br- very proactive, still technolo- technology-driven programme um, but avoided kind of the app bubble because I think back in 2018 the uh, solution to any problem in the, in the world was to design an app, which um, which makes me smile because I've got hundreds on my phone and I probably use one to order a pizza a bit too often, one to order a taxi, and one to look at the bank account, and that's about it. So there was this explosion of services available. Um, there was explosion of, of tools that could be utilised, and a lot of organisations started to onboard them. What we did see within the HR world, um, and I've been in awe of HR professionals, um, particularly in, in, with my experiences in the last five years, is that very, and I have this caricature in my head of the HR lead in an organisation kind of sitting there, massively overworked, loads of stuff to do around kind of policies, processes, hiring people, making sure that um, all the people uh, 
metrics are, are, are being well managed. And then suddenly someone knocks on their door and says, oh, by the way, you know, this new thing called mental health and well-being. Can you look after that as well? Here's another hat to wear. And I know that's very caricature, but kind of adding more and more onto the HR um, person's kind of shoulders. What we then saw was um, organisations starting to bring in kind of quite senior role roles with the word well-being in. So well-being strategist or well-being um, directors and kind of almost in parallel kind of starting like a, a subset of HR, which was also a subset of health and safety um, that meant that mental health and well-being was firmly on the agenda for, for organisations. But very quickly, actually, we've seen that kind of tail off and HR have, everybody has realised that HR are the people champions. They, they just need the tools and they need the, the backing and the support um, and they need the methodology to make sure that people are supported through. So we've we've seen a spike of kind of like well-being tools, um, training and roles within organisations. But we're now starting to see those tail off because they're not as effective as essentially they are as a standalone because a bit like health and safety, well-being runs through the DNA. It's like a stick of rock in an organisation. Happy people do brilliant things. Unhappy people are not as beneficial to any organization as, as they would be if they if they were in a better better place so we've certainly seen that in the last sort of four or five years um and i don't think the change will will end here i think there's more to come um hr professionals are absolutely at the front of leading healthier and happier workplaces which is quite quite pleasant to see follow us on twitter at hr review or join us on linkedin and facebook Okay, thank you very much. By the way, I've got an image now of uh, of you using your three apps, ordering that pizza, jumping in the taxi to collect it, and then afterwards going, oh man, I've spent all that money on my taxi and my pizza. Um, okay, now listen, you will be speaking, as I mentioned in the intro, you're going to be speaking at Disrupt HR Cambridge on, on May 11th. It's an evening event that's happening at the, the PWC office. I think the nearest train station is Cambridge North. Be there or be a rectangle, listeners. Uh, and your session is called how HR pros have always been the well-being champions. Can you now take a minute or two and tell our listeners a little bit about the talk and some of the hoped-for learning outcomes? Yeah, absolutely, Bill. Um, really looking forward to the talk. Um, I think we've got some pretty tight timescales and, and, and a really rapid-fire um, kind of presentation to go through. So that's going to be a personal challenge because I love to talk, right? And I love the GovOp story and I love talking to HR professionals about how we can support them, how they can support us and we're kind of learning together as we go. So the, the talk is very much kind of relates back to my answer to the previous question and this this journey that we've seen over the last five or six years of the HR leaders, um, HR professionals in organisations kind of pre-pandemic the world changed, didn't it? And and we, we almost have to stop and think now and, and, and kind of almost that wow kind of moment in our heads that says, crikey, did we really live like that two or three years ago? Um, we we had all our organisations that maybe traditionally worked in on site or in an office or um, at least physically together. And you had what I call the, um, the photocopier moments where you could physically see people and if somebody came into work and they didn't look or feel or sound or behave themselves, you could you could pick up on it. And HR always had that great role of making sure that we had the right people in in the right roles, that we were really true to our 
missions and visions and values as an organization and they and, and they always champion that i think through my career um if there was ever anything significant happening in the organizations that, that i worked in and also um, in my later career as, as a leader in the hr team were, were front and center of that discussion and also in delivering that message out to the teams and then the well-being bubble hit didn't it and i talked about our founding moment we started off in the statistical stage of mental health we realized we had a problem we sadly lost a couple of friends to suicide we wanted to do something different we actually realized there was lots of support available and that was pre-pandemic it's there's even more available now and we just wanted to connect people to the support when they needed it and make sure that support is relevant and timely to them as i mentioned on my previous answer to the question we saw the hr people kind of almost get it added onto their task list to do then maybe get a little bit nudged sideways because the well-being champion came into the business but actually it's quickly come back round and, and the hr functions the hr leads are the the trailblazers they're the banners they're the flag wavers of well-being of people support of employee experience i've seen it i've seen it written so many different times in so many different job roles but really it comes back to hr people making sure that we've got healthy happy and engaged workforces um, that deliver bottom line for the business because at the end of the day i'm really proud that in govox we support um, education we support across a wide range of schools and sports clubs even up to olympic level um, but in the workplace particularly, let's not hide away from the fact that these are businesses that are there to um, deliver for their, however they're structured, it might be their shareholders, might be their founders, it might be uh, their, their investors, etc. And having a healthy and happy workplace that's driven by a really professional and expert HR department with the right tools and processes and programs in place is the recipe for success. And it's measurable. We're now starting to see that happiness is measurable our organizations measure it through our platform and they're able to react to changes in their team's happiness they're able to identify challenges etc so the talk for me at cambridge i've probably got less time than i've just taken to answer your question but um it's really going to be about conveying to the hr people in the room that they are the champions they're the ones that i look up to they're the ones that i look to for for uh, guidance and for, to, for support and for the next innovations that are needed to make sure that people in their organizations are happy and healthy. Um, so that's going to be the premise of the, of the talk. So looking forward to it. Excellent. Thank you very much. We've just got a couple more minutes here and I've got two more questions for you. And these are questions that uh, we ask of all of our guests. OK, so I'm going to challenge you to answer each one in 60 seconds or less. The first one is as follows. If you could pass on one crucial lesson that you've learned in your career, Richard, in one minute or less, what would be your top tip for HR pros and leaders? Go. Okay, one minute or less, I'll probably do it in 10 seconds. My tip would be listen more than you talk because that is the gift to getting the right solution for be it your customers or your people or your business. So yeah, my one top tip to myself when I'm younger would be listen more than you talk excellent thank you and just finally what is the single biggest change that you think will happen in hr and in leadership over the next five to ten years and i i appreciate that's a huge question and asking asking you to answer that in a minute is almost impossible but give it a go well that's going to be a tough one in a minute and also because as i mentioned at the very start i don't have a huge background in hr but 
what I do see happening is that I think data-driven decisions around people metrics will form much bigger part of organization strategy moving forward. So whether it be a retention tap challenge and keeping hold of your talent, whether it be a happiness challenge and making sure you get as much productivity out of a team as possible, or whether it be an absence challenge or any of those sorts of things. Traditionally, we've been able to ma- measure the outputs, how many people are off sick, how many people are leaving the business, et cetera, et cetera. And now we can measure the inputs, how happy are people what are the biggest challenges they've got? How can we support them moving forward? So that for me is the, going to be the biggest change. And we're starting to see it now, particularly with progressive organisations. I have the pleasure of working with them, um, that they get the right measurement tools in place that are effective and instant. And it's data-driven decisions rather than gut feel. Perfect. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Richard, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR In Review pod. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.